Welcome to Sassy Esoterics. I'm Sarah Fomalar Ragsdale, a high priestess and teacher of divine feminine mysteries. And I'm Elena Garlic, a transition doula, death doula, and generally a badass witch. Every Friday, we talk to sassy, soulful teachers, thought leaders, witches, and magical manifestors. Together, we are creating a modern spiritual sisterhood, and you are invited to join the circle. Let's jump to the show. Hi, I'm Elena Garlic. And I'm Sarah Fomlar Ragsdale. And I am super excited to welcome my good friend Kira Paulus to Sassy Esoterics today. Hi, Kira. Hi, Elena. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. So I actually met you for the first time when, I think it was the first time, when you came into my shop and gave me a tarot reading. Oh yeah, that is the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. That is the first That's time. The first time yeah. we met. Yeah. And then I was really, really excited this year to take a tarot basics course with you. And as you know, the whole point of Sassy Esoterics is to talk with women about how spirituality shows up in their lives. And I learned so much from this basics course that I wanted to bring you on and interview you and talk to you about how the tarot showed up for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, showing up in my life is definitely accurate. Um, it, the tarot just kind of came from somewhere. I'm not sure where, um, but yeah, when I was, I was 12 or 13, um, when I was first introduced to the tarot, um, and it was a soul connection immediately. Um, I, I, the images in the cards really spoke to me. Um, it seemed so ancient and yet so far into the future at the same time. Um, and I just knew that I had a soul connection to it, but it really came about because I had um, a friend whose older sister um, was interested in witchcraft, um, druidry, which is um, the Celtic workings with the, the trees and the spirits of the trees, um, and then also into the tarot. Um, and so I was given a tarot deck. Um, my mom didn't like it so much. Um, she definitely had some issues around it. So I spent a lot of my life hiding my tarot, um, hiding my tarot practice. And then when I was about um, 17 or 18, I started reading for friends um, in high school and then in college. And it just kind of picked up from there. Awesome. That's yeah. amazing. So you said your mom wasn't super into it. Did yeah. you grow up in <laughs> did you grow up in a really Christian household or how did that I mean the backgrounds there clearly you ran into them yeah how did, how did that happen so yeah I mean my my family they're they're kind of more atheist leaning if anything mm -hmm. um they're very skeptical um so part of it with my family was partly like the rejection of the mystical 
um, because there is a more scientific, like kind of skeptical trend there. But then there's also the fact that my mom, um, you know, despite this fact, like she's the one between my two parents that is maybe a little bit more like kind of still a little bit God fearing. Like, I mean, she hasn't been for so long, but it's just like, you know, generations upon generations, there is a little bit of that. And, um, there, there was a lot when she was growing up around like a, a tale of, you know, someone who had been killed for witchcraft um, right oh. around where she grew up. Yeah. York County. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She grew up right by there. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so she had, and her whole family, they had a little bit of hesitations around it. Um, cause they are Pennsylvania Dutch powwow. Um, mm -hmm. but it, it hadn't been practiced for generations. So there is definite like fear there too, along with skepticism, which I think protects. Um, yeah. What is Pennsylvania powwow? <laughs> so um, powwow, I, you know, that term, I, I believe the term came from like Native American powwows. Um, so it's appropriated, I, but it was appropriated a very long time ago. Um, so it's been called powwow for a very long time, but it's basically the Pennsylvania Dutch folk magic. So um, anyone who doesn't live in Pennsylvania or isn't really familiar with Pennsylvania, um, if you drive through like Berks County, Bucks County, Lancaster County, so like the eastern part of the state, southeastern part, like you'll see on like farms, like the these things called hex signs. Um, you know, like there's these little distal finks, little birds that are like for good luck and um, they protect the barns from fires, these all, all kinds of magical protection. Um, but a lot of what they do is they'll chant like Bible verses over someone um, and lay hands on them um, for, for healing practices and protection and various other things. So I'm curious which, which, which um, killing it was. I know there was one in the early 20th century that a man was actually killed. Ray Meyer. Mm -hmm. yeah. About? yeah. Yeah, so I don't know totally like the story to the best of my knowledge, but I've actually, my dad's side, like my, my grandmother was involved in a book about it too. Um, yeah, it's really weird. Um, so the thing with it is that there was a man who was accused of cursing some people and then they were mad at him, like this guy cursed me. And so another powwow practitioner said that what they need to do to get back at this man that they believe cursed them was to get his book of powwow from him. So they went to the home to get the book of powwow from him and then they just decided to brutally murder him. Um, so that's essentially what happened. So it kind of makes sense with my family that there would be this hesitation around like what happens if you do magic. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a lot to live with. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's something I never really put together um, until later um, because it really seemed like, like my mom had a lot of fears um, around it, around the, the negative consequences that can come if you do it. Not so much um, anything spiritually based, not like, oh, I'm afraid of what Jesus thinks or something. It wasn't that. It was more complex than that. Definitely more of a societal pressure yeah. 
or fear as opposed to like a religious one. So then her little girl ends up with a deck of tarot. (laughs) (laughs) And you said you started reading for your friends around 17 or 18. Yeah. Um, So I would like read for myself when I was younger. um, But as I got older and I started to feel like, oh, okay, maybe like my friends would be interested. um, I started to read for more of my friends. um, And then that just kind of carried on for a long time. I would read for people um, in college. um, I would, you know, when I met my husband, I would read for like his family members and stuff like that. Um, So that's really how I got started. (laughs) So his family's a little bit more open. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. They're, they're a little bit more open to that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So I'm curious because I'm a reader as well. I started about the same age that you did. Um, besides the sense that it was like, oh, I recognize this and the symbology is, uh, I find that a lot of readers feel called to, to it with um, either the symbology or really loving the numerical stuff. What is it that you love about the cards? Yeah. So for me, it is, it's really tough to say. I mean, cause there's so many things. Um, for me, it, it's the story that I love. Um, I love looking at the tarot from that angle, like the, the hero's journey angle. Um, and for me, I found that to be like really important in my reading. So like kind of like what you're saying with like the numerical, um, like numerology stuff, um, cause that definitely plays into the storyline too. Um, but just like, you know, if I pull temperance, like I kind of know where in the story I am at this point. Um, and to me, it's, just all the the thought that's been put into it in that way um, is what really spoke to me. Um, and, you know, honestly, the, the symbolism for me, um, you know, I actually had kind of struggled um, initially with reading tarot because of that, because I'm not um, a visual learner, um, despite like, you know, most tarot readers, I feel like do have more visual learning abilities. And that's just not it for me, it was more like um, that soul connection, the connection to the, the story um, and the, the plot of our lives. <laughs> for listeners who are not familiar with Tarot um, or Tarot, um, there are major arcana cards. So there's 22 cards that are like, I always tell people when I'm reading that it's like, hey, pay attention. This is a big thing. <laughs> yeah. And then there are cards that more aligned with playing cards um, for for people who don't really know. So um, I just wanted to jump in there because for those of us who know the cards really well, it's super easy to jump into talking about symbology of one or the other. (laughs) Um, So for any newbies out there, I just wanted to jump in with that. Yeah. Yeah. And like there are four, like there are playing cards, there are four suits in the minor arcana and each one represents a specific you know, emotion, well, water represents cup, you know, represents emotions and pentacles represents more like an earth sign or something along those lines. Right, Kira? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and um, yeah, all the minor arcana, um, like Sarah said, like they they line up um, with playing cards. So, you know, we'll call them um, pips sometimes. Um, you have trumps, which are the majors, and then pips as the minors. And yeah, it's just like playing cards. Cups are hearts, um, pentacles are diamonds, clubs are wands, and spades are swords. Um, so yeah, it all really lines up together. What's, what's interesting to me is that, you know, it's in your blood too, because you have this powwow lineage and actually a powwow practitioners that I've run into read actual playing decks, like yes. playing card decks, yes. which is, you know, yeah. you just kind of added a little bit more to that, Absolutely. which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I do sometimes, um, like if I don't have a tarot deck nearby, but if I have like playing cards or something, like I will use those, um, to read as well. Um, cause really, I mean, um, Elena, you might know Sarah, you probably know. I mean, there, there are some card decks that really are, that's all they kind of come down to like the Marseillaise deck, um, which is a deck that is kind of considered, I guess they call it like a pips only deck because there's no scenes. It's just, you know, you'll see like five pentacles on a card and you just need to know what that is. Um, so that definitely gave me good practice for, for just reading the playing cards as they are. Yeah, that's amazing. So you said that you really enjoy the story of what's going on. And you mentioned the hero's journey. I also happen to know that you are a Jungian shadow worker. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how you utilize the tarot within it? Yeah, so that's a huge topic that I'll try to um, condense. So basically, um, with, with any kind of Jungian analysis work, which comes from Carl Jung, um, a famous psychoanalyst, um, there's, there's a lot of different things that have been kind of pulled from the work that he did. Um, but essentially, like the psychotherapy that he did, it, it really connected to people's souls, to... Um, their psyches, their, their unconscious minds. Um, and so a lot of it involves like dream work and things like that. But one of the big parts of Jungian analysis that I think sometimes gets forgotten about is that there's a big focus on stories and myths. Um, and that's where the, the tarot really comes in. Um, because it's this idea that at any point in our lives, we could find ourselves in reenacting a fairy tale or a myth. Um, you know, recently I was having like dreams um, about Snow White, weirdly enough. I, I was having these horrible, scary dreams of being offered an apple and taking a bite of it. Um, and so that's very Jungian. And Elena knows some of what I've been through, so she might understand. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, the idea is that we could find ourselves in a story at any point. Um, but the reason why the tarot works so well is because all these stories, all these myths that we could find ourselves in follow something called the hero's journey, um, which is Joseph Campbell. Um, he talked a lot about that, but a lot of Jungians talk about it too. 
Um, and in the hero's journey, it's that, you know, there's this trajectory that all stories follow, all epics follow the same trajectory. Um, and there's always key points to it. So when you pull a tarot card, like, especially if you work with just the majors, um, you can see, like I said, like, what point in the story am I at? Am I at um, the point where I'm gathering my allies? Am I at the point of the crisis explosion? Am I, and so then when you look at it that way, you also know what comes next. You also know what the advice is for what comes next. Um, so yeah, you can really use it in a, a Jungian um, or Kimbellian way um, with that to see what point in the story you're at. That's incredible. I mean, to like know that like, okay, here's what comes next. If we're here, this is the next thing. Yeah. And it gives you almost like a lifeline mm -hmm. in really intense situations. Mm -hmm. So what is a shadow work session look like with a client? Yeah. Okay. So when I do shadow work, um, I, again, that's, um, a very Jungian concept. We're looking at the shadow, um, parts of a person. So anything that they have hidden for whatever reason, um, it could be society, their parents, whatever it may be. Um, and with what's hidden, oftentimes it's something that they maybe don't want to be seen, or maybe it's something that they've just been told can't be seen. So like for me, I know that tarot was in my shadow for much of my life. Um, it was something that I kind of secretly had. Um, it was something that I never really thought could be anything. And then later in life, as I owned it, and I owned that, that shadow aspect, it became this brilliant creative thing. Um, but another big thing is like anger. I mean, that's a big one um, that I've, I've worked with. Um, you know, I've found that in a truly um, shadow work kind of way, um, my, my anger, which I was so afraid of for so long, is also what saved my life. Um, so, you know, shadow work is very interesting in that way. Sometimes those things that we suppress can be the very things that can help us the most. Um, so when I do a shadow work session, um, because I'm a therapist, um, a lot of what I do is trauma work. Um, and so a lot of the clients I see for shadow work have a lot of trauma. Um, but we will do meditative practices. Um, we'll go into a deep meditation and examine the different um, shadow parts that are there. There's an entire like integration um, that happens. We discover the parts that are maybe screaming out for help. Um, we work on identifying body feelings, body sensations. What do they mean? Um, you know, we'll go into a deep meditation around some of those body sensations, like who's living here? What is the message? Um, it's a very complex and um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to it with shadow work. I think that a lot of people who are drawn to metaphysical, new age, even self-help um, mm -hmm. tend to spiritually bypass. So they tend to want to avoid the shadow and go right for the love, light, rainbows in the corner, 
kind of thing. So the people who come to you for shadow work, would you say that they tend to go across the whole spiritual spectrum? How would you describe your client? Yeah. Um, so I would say that people who come to me specifically for shadow work do definitely have some kind of awareness and like okay enough feelings about exploring their shadows um now the thing that i have been able to do that that has been cool is that because i'm a therapist people will come to me for therapy and then we can talk about some of this shadow stuff and sometimes those are some of the people that maybe aren't as open to exploring some of that darker stuff. Like they want to come to therapy and they want me to validate them and make them happy again. Um, but they don't necessarily want to explore the shadow parts. So in that way, it has worked really well um, because we can kind of talk about some of those things there. Um, and, and I can get, you know, some of my therapy clients have ended up booking um, shadow work then because they realize that like okay like this is this actually maybe is really helpful <laughs> yeah absolutely um for my own mental health journey that it's been a lifesaver to really turn around and face what it is I've experienced and what it is that keeps me experiencing that because I find that those patterns that I'm repeating over and over again, like the story that you talked about, where we find ourselves in the story, we can end some of those stories and relieve a lot of mental anguish if we are able to integrate that shadow. Like you said about anger, it's exhausting to right. constantly push away your anger. And so many of us, especially as women, have been taught that being angry is being bitchy or being a pain in the ass, or dramatic hysterics, you know, we were hospitalized for these things, for being angry, in the not so distant past. So getting into the anger, which has been repressed and repressed and repressed over and over and over again, generations upon generations, getting into that and integrating it, it's incredibly powerful. It reduced, I mean, for me personally, it's reduced anxiety. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's because you're just like, I yeah. have all of this energy and I don't know where to put it, exactly. you know? And it's, I'm healthier physically yeah. because I'm not like holding all of that anymore. Um, not that it doesn't flare up, but at least now I know what to do with it. I can put it towards something as opposed to just shoving it down because it's not acceptable. Absolutely. Yeah. And anger really is, um, you know, and I, as much as people will say, oh, well, you know, like men are often more okay with expressing anger because, um, you know, society tells them they can. I've actually had so many men that I've worked with that struggle with suppressing their anger too. And it's like, um, I, I noticed that it's just like trauma survivors in general, um, have tons of anger and tons of anger that gets suppressed. And the real problem with it is that when you've experienced a trauma, what you needed when you were experiencing that trauma was some kind of protection, obviously, to prevent the trauma, um, but you didn't have it. And so the anger comes up to protect you. 
Um, and so when we repress the anger, when we, you know, relegate it to the shadows, we feel so anxious and so afraid and so scared because we don't have that very thing that's going to protect us. Um, in Jungian analysis, um, you know, for, for people who identify as female, it would kind of be recognized in some ways as, as parts of the animus, which is our, you know, if you identify as female, you have an inner um, male um, projection. <laughs> and, you know, in, in fairy tales, when the princess in the end is going off away with Prince Charming, it's not actually a love story of going off with Prince Charming. It's a story of the princess finally finding her healthy, um, whole, supportive animus um, that then guides her to this happy ending and protects her um, from, from these, you know, evil queens and whatever there might be in the story, um, just evil people. Um, so yeah, it's, I found that with anger, you know, the more that my clients are able to own their anger and not relegate it to the shadows, um, and they're able to integrate it, they feel more protected because finally they have the protector that they needed themselves. Now, obviously we know that when you have something traumatic happen, you know, it doesn't matter how angry you get or how much you stand up for yourself. It doesn't necessarily help, but when you're dealing with complex PTSD or PTSD, what you really need is to feel like you have a safe container and that safe container is ultimately you. Um, and so how do we do that for ourselves? Well, we get mad when someone pushes our boundaries. Yeah, we pay attention to the fact that our boundary has been pushed and that's right. why there's <laughs> anger there. Right, it's like, oh wait, I'm angry. Oh, that must mean something actually happened to make me angry. Um, <laughs> And that's valid. It is. It's yeah. an objective truth. Here's yes. an occurrence. And here's my feeling about that occurrence. Yes. Yes. So with the shadow work end and the tarot end and how you pull them together, mm -hmm. what has this done for your life and your own growth spiritually? Mm -hmm. I mean, it has done so much. I mean, just... In the last month, some of the things that I've gone through, um, shadow work and tarot are 100% what pulled me through. Um, and I also like just truly saw the the magic of it. Like I know that I do this work and I've, I've been reading tarot for a long time and I've been getting my own shadow work for some time. Um, but you know, I, like I said before, I come from a skeptical family, so I err towards skepticism myself, <laughs> even in the work that I do. And I would say like, wow, um, it has been profoundly eye-opening um, to say the least. Um, can you give us like a little bit of background? Like yeah, I was gonna say, like, like how much do you want to know? I want to um, know it. Okay, so I had a situation where I got really screwed over, um, <laughs> and it was it was a professional devastation. Like before it even happened, I pulled the tower card, 
Um, and so I thought like, oh, maybe, you know, I'm just going to be doing so well that it's going to blow my mind, you know, <laughs> I mean, because it was before anything happened. There was nothing to say anything bad was going to happen. But unfortunately, what happened is um, I was very betrayed and, and let down uh, by someone I had trusted professionally um, and left in a very bad position where it's like I essentially had no job or anything um, lined up and I had to figure things out and the tarot is completely what guided me through um you know I like for example I asked my cards like what's going to help me out of this situation and I got the six of cups so it was like people from the past and sure enough um Elena knows I am now set up in a really nice place where I'm working with people that I worked with almost 10 years ago um, and throughout the journey, there were like multiple different things. Like it just kept saying, like, I kept getting the hero font and the sun, the hero font and the sun. Um, and sure enough, my attorney, a hero font, <laughs> uh, cleared things up very well. Um, you know, cleared a lot of the gaslighting that had happened, um, and made things very clear for me that that the situation I was in now was going to work for what I needed. Um, and throughout this whole journey, I was experiencing those like shadow work um, kind of visions that I'll have because I'll do shadow work um, with with the woman I work with and she'll do like what I do where we go very meditative, almost kind of a lucid dreaming state. Um, and that's when I saw the apple and Snow White and all of that. Um, but I would have visions of that throughout the days and I literally saw the story play out start to finish the exact way it does in the fairy tale. Um, it, it was really a wild ride, um, to say the least and very insightful. And yeah, the anger thing became a really big thing because this was a situation where I had to really own my anger um, and make it known and be okay with people not liking it. Um, and I got incredible support and validation because I owned my anger. Which is incredibly scary, especially in a professional setting. Yeah. Oh you know, God. because communities are small, right? You know, yes. especially therapeutic communities are yes. small. So if things kind of don't go well, mm -hmm. it can spread all the way through. So if you don't take it like a nice girl, exactly. you know, yeah. it, can, it can spread quickly. Well, and that was the thing. When this had happened, I was basically like, I don't want to say raging out. I wasn't quite like that. Like, honestly, if you were there, you would be like, no, you weren't raging out. But I was like raging out <laughs> against the <laughs> therapists. And yeah, what I kept being told by these therapists was calm down. Um, you know, you're like, why are you getting so angry? Like, just calm down. Um, this, it, it was very bizarre. It was, it, there was a lot of ga gaslighting. Um, and so yeah, exactly. It's like, um, you know, if even therapists who are supposed to know better, supposed to know better, say things like that, then it makes a lot of sense why we all kind of struggle with this. 
<laughs> in that case, their shadows were making them hold out the apple to you and say, take a bite and you'll chill out. It'll be exactly, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Those are not the apples we're taking bites of. No, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and I mean, there was even, I mean, even with the shadow work stuff, um, like with the Snow White, um, the Snow White fairy tale, there was even stuff all the way down to, um, like with, with this incident, I was struggling to eat. Um, and so, you know, when I was doing shadow work, it came up about like the apple. Um, and I suddenly remembered that in the, the original Grimm fairy tale, that Snow White didn't actually like chew up the apple and swallow it. She just took a bite of it and then it was like in her mouth and she was poisoned. And mm -hmm. so like thinking about like an eating disorder, like anorexia, where you're not eating, um, there's, there's very strong connections there. Um, as I, as I found out. You're able to eat now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating again. We're all good. Um, shadow work actually is what helped with that. Like I did shadow work around that. And the next day I was feeling like I can eat again. Amazing. Yeah. That's incredible how it'll play into your body and your overall well-being. Yes. Yeah. Um, because these, these myths, they, they live within us. Um, and also the myths are, are written just about the overall like archetypal kind of human experience um, rather than a literal. Um, so you do see all these themes even in, in silly little fairy tales um, that are like, oh wow, that's, that's actually much deeper <laughs> than I thought. Well, for so long as, as human beings, we used myth and stories to talk about and teach our children about mm -hmm. how to be in society and how to handle this situation or that situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's, you know, down to Santa Claus now. We've got Santa Claus Absolutely. and the Tooth Fairy yeah. and all of these different mythological beings who you know, we utilize to bring about the imagination, but also to teach our kids yeah. how to be, you know, like the creepy elf on the shelf shit, you know. <laughs> it's like, let's teach kids how to be surveilled. <laughs> yes. It's okay to be surveilled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's even. <laughs> right? It's fun. Look at them doing funny things. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that's true. They do do funny things. <laughs> yeah. And they still tell Santa when you're bad. Right. They still narc on you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think Elf on the Shelf came out right at the right time, really, for everything that we're living in right now. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it really it is. Did. It's, it's disconcerting almost, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. So this shows the sassy esoterics and we 
are always so curious about how our our spiritual paths are and our beliefs are showing up in our lives right now. And so you've been sharing some stories about that. But I'm curious if you'd like to talk more about about your personal journey and what brings you here. That isn't the right question. No, I think that's good. <laughs> okay, let me I actually thought that was I mean, that actually gave me ideas. <laughs> Good. Then take three, Sarah. Um, future Sarah. So this shows the sassy esoterics and Elena and I are fascinated in talking to women about how their spiritual beliefs, their spiritual journey has brought them to their current moment. And I'd love to hear more about your life and your beliefs and, and what brings you here to this minute in this conversation. Yeah. Um, so my life has taken like a lot of different uh, trajectories at certain points. Um, but I, I would say as far as spirituality goes, um, I really started um, feeling something spiritual. I can't say what, but just like that there was more. Um, that there was, there was more out there. Um, probably when I was in like late elementary school, like early adolescence. Um, and to be perfectly honest, as funny as it is to say, like I was in fifth grade when Lord of the Rings came out and that changed my life. Um, so I had actually started reading it like before the movies came out. Um, I read The Hobbit and uh, the trilogy, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And for me, there was just something about it um, that spoke to me. And that's actually what led me down exploring paganism. Um, interestingly enough, I, I, I don't even really remember how it happened, honestly. I think I started making some friends who were into Lord of the Rings too. And I spent a lot of time online. <laughs> Um, so I just would, you know, jump from website to website to website and somehow it ended up going to this website called the Order of the Bards, Ovates and Druids, which is an organization based in the UK. I can't remember where, I feel like they're based out of Glastonbury. Um, and it kind of makes sense because like anyone who knows Lord of the Rings and the stories that are in it, um, although Tolkien was Catholic and it definitely has those influences, um, there's definitely a lot in the stories that hints at paganism, at druidry, and at some of these, um, you know, ancient spiritualities of the British Isles. Um, and so I got really interested then. Um, I started getting really interested in the King Arthur legends, which that has been very prominent in my life um, as far as like what I talk to clients about in shadow work sessions and therapy um, with Jungian and stuff. The, the King Arthur legends are, are very important too. Um, so yeah, basically all of that stuff, the myth, the fantasy, everything that I was into led me to the order of the bards of Vates and Druids. And I was like maybe like 12 or 13 and everyone was on, that was on there was an adult and they were like paying for their course and stuff. But 
I joined their free forum <laughs> and I would just like comment on there and be like, Hey, I'm 13. I'm in Pennsylvania. And like, <laughs> and like there would be like adults on there. They were like so nice. And they would like give me like druidry tips and stuff. Um, <laughs> it was, it was just a cool thing. Uh, I don't know if they still have that forum or not. Um, but they do still exist. They've existed for a really long time. And I did end up as an adult, um, doing courses with them. Um, and so basically like with them, there's these different grades you go through, like you start out in the bardic grade, um, which is like a lot about myths and legends and the stories of our souls. Um, then you move up into the ovate grade where you start learning more about um, science and ecology um, related to spirituality. And then the druid grade, of course, is when you become like more of a druid practitioner, um, a, a priest or priestess of, of this spiritual path. So yeah, I, I did a lot um, with that and that kind of lent itself to everything else. Um, I started exploring witchcraft when I was about that age too. Um, a lot of it was just, you know, little like spell chants and stuff like that, lighting candles um, and things like that. Um, and then of course I was introduced to cards and it went from there. But now at this point, I consider what I do to be druidry. Um, I practice witchcraft. So everything I do is very earth-based, um, centered on earth-based spiritualities. Um, I definitely have, you know, animals that will give me messages. I pay attention to things like that. The other day when I was having all this stuff was like legal, whatever, um, I was driving and there was an owl just sitting on the road and then it flew up into a tree, but was still looking at me from the tree. Um, and so I knew that it was Athena, um, with some messages for me around my legal battles. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it turned out good. She was on my side. She wasn't wrong. Um, she was on my side. And so, yeah, I pay a lot of attention to, to plants and animals. Um, I find my, my safety, my security in nature, and I encourage that very strongly with my clients. Um, I had been really interested in like herbalism and I had done some of that, but I'm just, I'm not as much of the, the, the sciencey person as much as I am like the talking about like spirituality and the psyche person. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the hero's journey, literally starting with Lord of the Rings, you can't, yeah, I mean, that is the ultimate hero's journey, right? Right, yeah, that's, that's the ultimate, yeah. Yeah, so that, that love, thank God for that movie coming out, because thank God, right. because it sounds like it literally brought you to your profession, ultimately. It did. Yeah. It absolutely did. Um, yeah, yeah, it really did. Cause I don't know for sure that I would have even read the books if there hadn't been like, oh, there's a movie and you're gonna go see it. It's a very bizarre thing. <laughs> um, but it, it absolutely did because there's so much in those stories too that, um, and the King Arthur legends and, um, you know, Druidry and the spirituality of the British Isles that lends itself everything I do even with therapy um it's it's definitely very important Gosh. 
So if any of our listeners are curious about working with you, how could they go about doing that? What does that look like? Yeah, so um, if anyone would want to work with me, I would definitely suggest going to my Instagram, which is Awen Tarot, A-W-E-N-T-A-R-O-T. Um, my website is the same thing. It's www.awentarot.com, awentarot.com. Um, so basically, like through Awen Tarot, I do tarot readings, um, shadow work, and archetypal analysis, which is basically we look at the archetypes in your life. Um, and then I work as a therapist at a place called Sage Integrative Medicine and Wellness. Um, so if anyone was interested in services that are more um, therapeutic, because um, I do things like um, EMDR, which is a, a therapy technique, um, I do that in therapy as well. So if someone was interested in therapy, it would be like, you know, still go to my website, you can contact me, we'll figure it out. But I work out of a place um, called Sage. And then all other services can be booked there. Um, so yeah, anything I do, whether it's a tarot reading or shadow work, it's always gonna be therapeutic in nature. It's just how I work. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely how to go about doing it. Awesome, and we're in COVID times. Yes. Hoping that someday people will listen to this and that'll be ancient memory. But um, I assume then that people can see you via Zoom or some other. Yes. Yes. Um, so for therapy, they would have to be in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, but for all my other services, um, yeah, anyone can be anywhere in the world. I offer things over Zoom um, for anyone who is in Pennsylvania and is, in lo and is local. Um, I do work out of a doctor's office that follows a lot of COVID procedures, so it's very safe if you wanted to do that, too. <laughs> I think Excellent. that anybody who can work with you um, is going to be very fortunate. I've loved learning more about you. Oh, thanks, Sarah. <laughs> Working with or learning from? I know that you occasionally run Tarot Basics classes, too, so yeah. if you see that float around from Kira, definitely check it out. I, yes. my mind was blown with mine. Yeah. I loved it so much. Yeah. I have a tarot basics class like right now. Um, and then I'll do one again in the spring. It'll be like every spring and every fall. Um, Excellent. Tarot basics. Yeah. So definitely give Kira a follow on Instagram or Facebook. Check out her website so that you know when that next class is coming and you can keep up with any of her new offerings. She puts up an amazing amount of information and I just, I love checking out what you're doing. It's always so exciting. Oh, and we'll have all of that in show notes too. So you don't have to go back and listen. We'll make sure that you have clickable links in those notes. Okay, Absolutely. cool. <laughs> Good. Thank you so much. Well, thank much. you so yeah. much. Yeah, thank you both so much. I had a wonderful time talking to you. <laughs> Inspired by Nadia Bolsweber and her podcast, The Confessional, we offer a blessing for Kira. Kira, I bless your love of mythology. I bless your vision and clarity around shadow and the beauty that work finds us in our transformation. I bless your tarot deck and its support and guidance that it bestows upon you that you may share with others.
I bless your very own hero's journey and all of the beginnings and endings from the past to the future. I bless J.R.R. Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings for opening the door for you to magic and the hero's journey. I bless your calling to work with the shadow, yours and ours. I bless your work to find your own fairy tale happy ending. Thanks again for joining us. Our theme music is River by Cumberland Honey. Follow them at Cumberland Honey PA on Instagram and Facebook. You can find them on YouTube and listen to their EP, Stand Up, on Spotify and Apple Music. If you enjoyed the show, click subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next week for our next sassy conversation. Take me down to the river and let me feel the flow of that strong moving current. Let it rock my weary soul. Take me down to the river and watch me.